Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. I'm Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Together, we're the founders of Good Egg Investments and creators of the Real Estate Accelerator. We help real estate investors and syndicators build their brands, find the right investors for their deals, and scale their businesses so they can do more and bigger deals. We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Dickerson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to two fantastic guys from Blue Oak Capital, Cody Laughlin and Brian Alfaro. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing great, Annie. Thank you so much for having us on. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. Nice to see you, Annie. Thanks for having us on. Doing great. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm thrilled to dive into your stories. I always love um, partnerships because it's always such a fascinating story of how partners come together to create a business together. So, but first, before we get into that, I want to hear each of your respective stories. So, Cody, maybe we can start with you and then um, we can transition to Brian. But tell us, Cody, a little bit about your backstory and how you got into real estate in the first place. Sure, sure. Thank you. Yeah, I'll give you the abbreviated version, but uh, I started my real estate journey in 2010. Uh, my wife and I in 2008 relocated from Louisiana to Texas. We started our W-2 careers and we bought a home, tried to sell that home 2010, and we couldn't sell it. It was right at the back end of the Great Recession. Housing market was still in the dumps and we became accidental landlords. And so that was my introduction, introduction excuse me, into real estate investing. And so once Nothing I started happens by accident, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I'm blessed at the time it was very stressful, but I'm very, very yeah. blessed that it happened because it really piqued my interest. And at the time I was going to go up the corporate healthcare ladder, you know, pursue an advanced degree. And as I started learning about real estate entrepreneurship, you know, what I discovered was, man, everything I had been raised to, uh, prepare for financial independence or financial freedom, you know, wealth curation, was completely misguided, you know? And so uh, my interest changed, my uh, career path changed and started pursuing real estate entrepreneurship and, you know, pursued single family residential real estate for many years and then made a transition to multifamily in 2019, where I met our first partner, John, and then along came Brian and, you know, the rest is history. And now we're doing some great things over at Blue Oak. So that's the short and abbreviated version. I'll let Brian tell his story. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we dive into Brian's story, so that's, it's, I'm curious, what were you doing before you got into real estate as your W-2 job? Yeah, thank you. I'm a, I'm a healthcare worker. I'm a registered nurse by day. I still actually maintain that W-2 now, but hopefully not for too much longer, uh, ah. but been doing that for almost 14 years. So. 
Fascinating. Okay. So you were doing some, something completely different, not even related to real estate and sort of fell into it, not intentionally, but just because the market wasn't quite right to sell your property. And then you got further into it, developed a passion for it. And um, sounds like you were investing in single family homes for quite some time before you scaled into multifamily. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I learned a lot through residential real estate working in single family, but what I learned after several years was that, you know, really it was a difficult model to scale and really reach a financial independence that I was looking for, uh, you know, in order for me to take back my control of my financial situation, but also my time. And I'm a husband, I'm a father of three kids, you know, and I was tired of running into the issue of work always being uh, a, a deterring factor in for me being able to participate in certain activities as a family. And so that was really the big aha moment for me where I had to make a transition and really go for something, a business model that really allowed for more economies of scale, allowed me to reach my goals, uh, you know, faster, so to speak, applying the same effort. So that's how I found my way into multifamily. I hear you. All that resonates with me as well. Well, Brian, what about you? Was your story similar? Did it follow a similar path or how did you get into real estate? Yeah, not that different. Uh, thanks for having us on again. So my journey started in 2018. It wasn't accidental because uh, at the time, everybody knows 2018 was a you know, great time to buy real estate. So 2018 was actually around the time my wife and I were buying our first home. So we were recently married. We were living in an apartment for a while and we decided, you know what, now's the time. So I started reading a bunch of books, I started reading everything I could find about not only buying your first home, but also they all had parts in them about investing. So it really opened my eyes to the power of real estate. And I was at the time looking for something that I could not only generate cash flow from, but also build that long-term legacy wealth. I always tell people uh, real estate is not a get rich quick scheme. It's, it's a get rich slow scheme, uh, yep. which is, which is good. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that if you're patient, it pays off tremendously. And that, that get rich slow scheme actually filters out a lot of people that aren't willing to work hard and wait for it. Right. So I really liked everything that I, I learned about real estate. And I realized a lot of really successful people, if not all successful people have real estate, a part of their portfolio one way or another, whether for the tax benefits or for the cash flow or the, for the appreciation. Right. So I said, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense. Let me dive into real estate. But a big thing for me was I was thinking very small. I was only thinking about my own personal dollars. I didn't know anything about JVs, about partnerships, hard money, syndication, all that was foreign language to me. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I was thinking very small and started very small. So I was looking to buy rental properties. Uh, we're in Houston, Texas. So it was you know great market for rentals. And I started doing that. But after probably about 18 to 24 months, I realized like, wow, this is a lot of work. Not that I was scared of the work, but there wasn't, an, I always like to say there wasn't enough zeros at the end of the checks. And I didn't see the economies of scale uh, uh, really going in a direction that I felt was best aligned for my personality. I still think you can build tremendous wealth uh, in single family real estate, but it didn't match my investing thesis and what I was trying to do. So early 2020, right around the time COVID started, which was actually kind of a blessing for me because it forced me to slow down, stay home a lot, do a lot of reading, do a lot of research, do a lot of networking, uh, get a lot of Zoom fatigue, as, as we've been saying, uh, and really just transitioned over to multifamily real estate. I met our other partner, John, at another uh, networking bootcamp, which was multifamily focused. At the time, I was also looking at mentorship programs and uh, ended up finding out that John was actually in one of the groups that I was interested in being a part of. 
ended up joining that mentorship program where I had just found that Cody and John had just started their partnership, formed Blue Oak Capital, and uh, started connecting with them and just realized that I could add a lot of value to them. And what I was offering was something they definitely needed. So we decided to all partner together. We're the, the three amigos, the three stooges, whatever you want to call us. And, uh, you know, we started uh, building our building our database, building our network and finding ways to add value to others to scale into multifamily syndication. I love that. I love that. And so there's a couple of pieces that resonated with me really um, deeply in your story. One is that you started small. You started not only small, but thinking small. And that's exactly how I started too. And how a lot of investors start is you focus on what you think you can manage and what you can succeed at, which typically start small. And I remember when I first um, got into these duplexes and multifamilies, and I was like, oh, maybe I could really stretch myself and do it like a 10 unit. That was what I thought was really big at the time, right? But along the way, you know, through all of our coaching and mentoring, and I've learned that um, a small business is a selfish business because once you've figured out what works and you can, you have that formula, it's almost like a responsibility to share it out with others and to widen that impact, which is what exactly what you guys are doing. So now let's dig into that partnership a little bit. You mentioned that you were bringing something to the table that these guys needed. So tell, tell me a little bit. Um, and Cody, maybe you can tell me a little bit about, it sounds like you and John had come together first. So maybe tell me a little bit about that. And Brian, you can stack on top with what you were bringing to the table. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it was everybody that's involved in syndication, if, if they haven't figured it out already, obviously, you know that, you know, you wear multiple hats and there's so many different responsibilities. And, you know, when, when I started in multifamily, it was kind of a solo venture. I was trying to put together an infrastructure for a business all on my own before meeting John. And when I met John, you know, we sat and we, we were looking through what our different value propositions were. You know, John had a certain background and value proposition as far as, you know, maybe some economic or monetary contributions, but he didn't have a lot of time versus where I had a lot of time and availability, but just didn't have the same liquidity uh, or same financial position that he did. And so that was kind of our uh, alignment there was, hey, I will help you support you in growing the infrastructure you keep doing what you're doing. And so that really helped us to continue to expand. But as we expanded, you know, obviously the roles and responsibilities kept stacking on. And so it was just, you couldn't focus all your efforts in each bucket uh, and really get it to where it needed to be as efficient as it should be. And so we met Brian, uh, you know, midway, I don't know, Brian was like, call it June, sometime around 2020. Yeah, and, um, you know, with Brian's background, both from an operational background, he's a retail coffee shop owner. So he has the operational experience, but he also had this brand, brand awareness, marketing uh, background, things like that. And that was a really key component that we needed for like our things like investor relations and, and you know, brand ambassador, things like that. And so it was just in a perfect alignment at that case, because you know, we could have Brian step in and really help build out that platform, build out the marketing presence, the brand presence, while we are already building out the deal funnel, uh, you know, through broker relations and such like that. And so uh, it was a perfect opportunity. So that's kind of oh, the roundabout. How to yeah. happen, but. 
Yeah. You're speaking my language there for sure. I'm I'm the one on the team who's super passionate about marketing and branding as well. And it's funny how, you know, I think a lot of the coaching and mentorship programs, they sort of they teach a lot about finding the deals, underwriting the deals, the whole pro- the process of acquisitions. And then they mention, "Oh, by the way, you might want to raise some capital. Here's <laughs> here's a letter template or here's, you know, here's how to talk to investors." Um, but very few go into the, the details of the branding and marketing, which I think makes the whole experience. And so Brian, tell us a little bit uh, more about that. Maybe your passion or your background in marketing and branding, and then what you, the, the value that that brings to the business. Yeah. When I met Cody and John, what, what I noticed is that they were both stretched kind of thin, like Cody, his knack, what he's really good at is acquisitions. Not that he's bad at marketing or bad at investor relations, but that was the direction where he was producing a lot of uh, momentum, I should say. Yeah. So known of yeah, genius. Yeah. Right. So I saw an opportunity there having a hospitality background, spending a lot of time in restaurants and, and specifically the term I like to use is just customer service. Uh, I always tell either in real estate or in coffee shop, I was like, it doesn't matter what we're serving. We're still serving people at the end of the day, whether they're your investors or they're your tenants or it's somebody buying a latte, right? At the end of the day, the customer service is really important. And also top of mind awareness is really important. If you're going to build something, you're going to scale something, your brand has to be very present. Uh, there's a lot of marketing books that say you either want to be Coke or you want to be Pepsi. Everything else after that doesn't really matter. You want to be, <laughs> you got you to stay top of mind. It's kind of yeah. the moral of the story, right? And I saw uh, an opportunity there to, so I, I sort of looked at everything that they had and they had a good foundation, but they needed somebody to sort of scale what they had already built. So I felt a great opportunity to come in and, and provide those customer service values, provide that marketing, provide that branding, uh, just build the funnels so that we can let people know, here's how we can add value to you, whether you're an active investor and looking for a co-sponsor or you're a passive investor and you're looking for some uh, great investment opportunities to protect and grow your wealth. They just needed more people to know what they were doing. Uh, and that's where I sort of stepped in and felt like I was the biggest value add. Cause you're right. I think, I think that's a great point. When I joined my mentorship group, there all the, a lot of these groups are always talking about, go find a deal, go find a deal, go find a deal, go find a deal. And that's super important. And it's a very valuable skill, but with today's market prices, you know, if you go find a, a hundred unit deal, how are you going to raise three, four, five million dollars to take that deal down? You could be the best deal finder, but if you can't find the dollars, we hear a lot of great, you know, people like yourself over at Newegg and other industry experts say, you know, they say go that the whole uh, misnomer of find a great deal, the money will come. That does not work. You and I both know that, right? So uh, I felt like that was a really important part to highlight and um, coming in and adding value in that sense. Since Cody was starting to find some deals, was really important to me. Annie, Brian's being polite. I sucked at marketing. It was, it was terrible. I hated it. Uh, it just, it wasn't my passion. So he was a perfect fit for that. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, right? It's, this is a small business. You're operating a small business and that's what they're not coaching and teaching. You know, the, the, the finding the deal is the flashy part. That's the part that everybody waves and, oh, I bought however many units, but what they don't teach you is the building the infrastructure for a business. And that's exactly what we've tried to do. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that's such an important part. And, you know, it sounds like 
that story of the partnership coming together is it very much mirrors um, my partnership with my business partner, Julie, and how each of you had complementary skill sets or different things that you were bringing to the table. It wasn't just that you were friends and you got along, but um, on top of that, you were bringing different skill sets to the table, which I think um, really forms a great foundation for a long-term partnership. And so I'm curious, just because I totally love to nerd out about the marketing and branding stuff, um, but you know, with the where you were with the customer experience as well as the the marketing, the education, where were you um, before Brian joined the team? And Brian, what have you brought to the team, and how has that side of the business grown? So. Before we, before adding Brian on, you know, we had a CRM set up. We were having people opted into our CRM, which was his active campaign. We were sending out a monthly newsletter, uh, which I was doing originally. John took that over. Um, and then we were producing content through different thought leadership platforms. You know, we had a podcast that we had started early 2020. Uh, I had a meetup that I started in, um, you know, midway through 2019. And so we were producing all this great content, but wasn't doing a very good job of disseminating that content uh, to our database, right, to, to start that nurturing process. So we we're doing a good job of connecting and getting people maybe at the top part of the funnel but not doing a good job of nurturing afterwards. And I think really, I'll let Brian speak more on it, but I think that was really the, the biggest impact that he took over immediately was immediately pushing that out and not only expanding the top of the funnel where we have now multiple touch points with people, but also that nurturing piece of how do we get all of these great things that we're doing out to the world and show them what, what we're doing at Blue Oak. And so Brian, you want to piggyback off that? Yeah, I agree with everything Cody said. I think they had a lot of great content they were producing, but it was all uh, divided. I'll say, it, you know, they weren't all connected together and they needed that infrastructure to sort of have the widest funnel you can. And then you obviously have your layers of filtration through your nurturing process. Uh, so that was really, I think the biggest value add that I had was just uh, having the, the wherewithal to take a look at everything and say, hey, how do we piece everything together? You know, how do we get people into our funnel from the podcast, from our social media presence, from, from you know, eBooks and different things like that, that, that were sort of, uh, you know, we were curating. So I think that was just the biggest, uh, one of the biggest value adds that I added. And then, like you said, the nurturing process how do we let the world know once they do fall into our funnel, all the good things that we're doing and how we could potentially add value to them? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It's that, that whole experience, right? From the time they find you through the time that they invest with you, you have such opportunity to really add value to them and, and nurture them and help them understand the ins and outs of the process. And while you're doing so, you build that trust with them so that by the time you put out the deal, they're not like, ah, what's this? They've already got their questions answered. They've got their ducks in a row. Their funds are ready. They're ready to go. They know exactly what to expect. And so it sounds like you've been working real hard on that over the last couple of years. So tell us maybe, you know, before you had all of that in place, when you put out a deal, what was the response? And now how has that changed or grown? Well, what's interesting is looking back is at that time frame, you know, that was really the onset of COVID. Really, the commercial real estate took a pause, right? I mean, transactional volume all but ceased. And, you know, it wasn't really towards the end of 2020, I felt like where transactional volume maybe started to tick up more. Uh, and then 2021, obviously, everybody saw, uh, you know, just how much 
transactions were coming to market in 2021. So I think at the time, it was a perfect timing for us because even though we weren't putting out any active deals to our investors, what we were doing was building the infrastructure and the foundation for our business now. And I think that was such a, a crucial time for us because you see so many people that go out there and, and they're so focused on the deals and they may go acquire a few deals at a time, but they don't put the foundation in place that they need to continue that scale. And eventually you reach a breaking point to where either the infrastructure starts to crumble, you know, things start going missed or you start making mistakes. Right. And so for us, I feel like we did a really uh, great job of putting that foundation in place to where now our business model is definitely scalable, replicatable. It's something that we, it's a plug and play model. And we're always looking to expand that, but you know, again, we just completely took advantage of the fact that we weren't having to focus as hard on deals more so than we were building out the infrastructure of the business. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I agree hundred percent. You know, we, we wanted to, when we did land that first deal, we didn't want it to just be like, okay, here's an email. Do you want to invest? Yes or no. Right. So there's gotta be just layers of touch points, uh, whether you're using LinkedIn, you're losing, if it's a 506 C obviously, and you can market it, uh, using social media to your advantage, whether you're running Facebook or Instagram ads, uh, you know, sending out emails in different drips, different ways to sort of make sure that people are seeing it. Cause some people don't see your first email. I'm using text automation as well to try to figure out, hey, how do we get these messages out one way or another to make sure that everybody knows about what's going on? Might not be the deal for them. That's okay. But we at least want them to know that we're staying active because a lot of people, you know, they're on your list for six, nine, 12 months before they finally invest in your first deal. They want to kind of, you know, watch from a distance and make sure things are going okay. So starting that process and making sure that everybody can see what you got going on, that's really what we spent a lot of uh, 2020 and 2021 doing once we got our first deal. And as Cody mentioned, it's an evolving process. There's constantly new technologies and automations and ways to reach your, your customer at the end of the day that we're trying to always layer onto our business uh, as, as, as needed. I think that's so smart, really taking the time before you have a deal on the table to really build out those systems and make sure you have that infrastructure as Cody, you keep alluding to, but that infrastructure is so important, right? To be able to hold everybody once they come in the door and to provide everybody that seamless world-class experience that you're aiming for. And so I love that you took the time to be really intentional about building all of that rather than rushing into a deal just to do a deal. But speaking of deals, so now that you've got this engine humming under you, you've got investors, uh, you're growing your database, you're getting out there, you're spreading the word, you're educating people. So now what are you guys focused on now? Tell us a little bit about the deals you're looking at or, or the markets you're focused on and what's ahead for you. Yeah, you know, we had a we were blessed in 2021. We had a really really productive year. All of that work and time spent in 2020 to put in uh, that foundation really paid off. So we ended up partnering in three co-sponsor opportunity co-sponsorship opportunities in 2021. That was 787 units across three different deals. And then we went under contract for our own acquisition in uh, early December, 2021, which uh, we're currently working to finish up now. We'll be closing hopefully here in a couple of weeks. And, you know, now it's just hopefully off to the races. You know, the goal this year is to continue to add, you know, 50 to 75 million of assets in our acquisition pipeline. Being that we're based here in Houston, our, our target markets are central Texas, Houston, San Antonio. Uh, but we also do love, uh, again, partnering with other good operators 
in other great markets that maybe aren't regional to Texas. And so uh, really excited to double down this year and make it a very productive year. So give us maybe some highlights or some tips or advice for the listeners who might be, maybe some of them um, have done some co-sponsorship um, partnerships or opportunities and they've maybe raised some capital or been part of the GP, but now they're itching to do their own deal. Was that transition easy for you guys? How did you make sure that you had all the pieces in place for that? Well, I would tell you the most important thing right now, especially if you're a younger, newer operator or syndicator, it's very, very important to strategically align with more experienced operators right now. Um, and even for us, even on our own acquisitions, we're always looking to partner and bring somebody on that has more experience than we do because it's just another staple of credibility and it's another partner that you can rely on that could be you know a mentor or or somebody that can help make sure that you're not making any critical mistakes and so the barrier to entry right now in multifamily is probably the highest it's ever been right and there's an extreme amount of competition that's out in the marketplace and you're seeing just the aggressive pricing um, and aggressive uh, appetite for the space and so you know, if you're new and you're coming in and you don't have a lot of experience or you don't have a lot of fundamental uh, education underneath you, you can make a very costly mistake. And, and look, let's be honest right now, it, it, the brokers are looking for that. They're looking to take advantage of, of certain people. And so I would just encourage anybody that's listening, never be afraid to partner and align with somebody more experienced than you are. I'm going to agree with that hundred percent. Find good people. Uh, we know we have a saying it's uh, it's who, not how. So if you're looking for your first opportunity, go out there and find a way to add value to others, you know, make sure you're doing your due diligence on any opportunity, not only the asset itself, the market, uh, the overall pro forma, the sponsor that is the lead sponsor, but at the end of the day, whether you're doing your own deal or you're co-sponsoring somebody else's deal, it's all about relationships and relationships are what gets you to deal relationships are what get the deal to the closing table. And oftentimes good relationships are what make the deal successful over the course of the business plan. Right? So just spend a lot of time talking to the right people, building good relationships, building good systems. And it's just one day at a time. It's, it's a patience game for sure. Such good advice. And you guys, it's no wonder you've seen the success that you have in this short amount of time, because as we've heard through you telling your story, you've been very intentional and patient as you've built up your business. Um, and so it's no wonder you've gotten to where you are, but I know there's tons of growth ahead for you as well. And I'm sure our listeners are going to want to follow up with you and learn more. So Brian, as the marketing guy, tell them where they should go. We are pretty easy to find if you're on any social media platforms. Cody has his own hashtag, uh, hashtag real estate Cody. So you can search that on LinkedIn or Facebook and find him. But uh, we're both very active on social media. If you're on LinkedIn, you know, feel free to connect with us, shoot us a message, Facebook as well. Uh, you can also follow our business pages at Blue Capital, or you can reach out to us directly at Brian or Cody at Blue Oak Invest. That's with an S at the end.com. You can also visit our website. There's an opt in there if you're interested in uh, joining our newsletter list or mailing list and just kind of seeing what we got going on. But we'd love to also talk to you as well. So, any of those options. Fantastic. Well, to all of our listeners, be sure to follow up with Brian and Cody to learn more about all that they're doing. Well, for all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. And to Cody and Brian, thank you so much for sharing so openly of your business and your story and your insights. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Annie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Annie. 
Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com and please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight community.